Thanks for listening to this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts, and post your comments or questions. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please subscribe for free in the iTunes store to automatically get new episodes every Wednesday. And joining me for this episode, my brother from another mother. You know him, you love him. You can't live without him. Oh, boy. Tim Donnelly. And again, the pressure's on me right from the outset, man. I got to come up with something good. No pressure. You bring it every time, and you know it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I appreciate it. You know, we have a list of movies that seems like it never ends. An ever-growing list of movies we always say we're going to do on the podcast. And for this episode, you and I chose a movie that is a little bit off the beaten path. It's not a mainstream movie, but a great movie nonetheless, especially if you like music. Yes, absolutely. High Fidelity, released March 31st, 2000, directed by Stephen Frears. Stephen Frears, a British director, I believe, who's had his hand in a lot of other good films. Yeah, based on the book written by Nick Hornby. Now, did you read the book? I haven't read the book. Oh, okay, I have not read the book. Screenplay by D.V. DiVincentis, Steve Pink, John Cusack, mm-hmm. and Scott Rosenberg. True that. Did not realize that John Cusack was one of the writers of the screenplay. Yeah, I think uh, Cusack kind of shepherded this movie along a little bit. I'm watching the movie thinking there's probably a lot of things in his character, Rob Gordon, that are very close to the real John Cusack. Yeah, perhaps. And the fact that it takes place uh, in Chicago. Right. I think that's where he's from. He's pretty well known as being a a music aficionado. Yes. He's probably not as much of a mess as the character, hopefully. (laughs) One would hope not. Yeah, I mean, because he's really not good at relationships at all, Rob Gordon. No, he's not. I mean, when when you first meet the character of Rob Gordon, he's not a great guy. No. He's he's like borderline kind of a loathsome character who, by his own admission, is an Yeah, and I kind of forgot that because I enjoyed the movie so much. And I mean, it's not a laugh out loud comedy like some other things. Right. There's moments where you really laugh. Definitely. But there's definitely a a good element of drama to the movie, too. Oh, yeah. It's it's by turns funny and serious. There's a a lot of deep stuff going on there about uh, relationships, commitment, the way men see things versus the way women (laughs) see things. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, a healthy sprinkling of really, really good music and uh, clever, witty dialogue about music. Yeah, it's funny because this is like an anti-chick flick. You know how like chick flicks, when they talk about the difference between men and women, it's mm-hmm. done in sort of a cutesy way, whatever. Right, right. This is the opposite of yeah, that. Yeah, very much so. I was watching this movie almost feeling a little uncomfortable. <laughs> like I watched it with Sue. I don't think she enjoyed it as much as I did. Okay. Maybe because, you know, she thought what you just said, that he's kind of loathsome. Not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. Not a nice guy, really. Yeah, so John Cusack is the star, and he's always good. Yes. And this might be my favorite John Cusack movie. Uh, I might be right there with you. He's done a lot of good stuff over the years, but he's really good in this. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for this as well. That's right. I, for- I forgot about that. Yeah. Eben Yela is the girl who plays Laura. Mm-hmm. She's a Danish actress, I believe. Yeah, if you look at one part in the movie uh, after Laura's father dies, yes. and you know, everybody's at the house, you can see on the mantle behind John Cusack and um, his sister Joan, mm-hmm. there's an American flag and a Danish flag. Yes, which is kind of a nice little nod yeah. to that. Todd Luiso is Dick. <laughs> and that guy, I remember him in Jerry Maguire. Yes. And he played a very similar character, very kind of sheepish. Right. Very uh, awkward. <laughs> and uh, he was like really into jazz in that movie. Right, right, And right, so right. he's kind of bizarre. <laughs> when uh, Todd Luiso walked in and everybody just immediately went, okay, that's Dick. Okay, very right nice. There. That, that guy right there is Dick. Yeah, and... Um, 
Jack Black <laughs> as Barry. This was the first time I ever saw Jack Black in a movie. Yeah, this was my introduction to Jack Black as well. Not his first movie. Though, no. Right? John Cusack and the other screenwriters wrote the script with him in mind for wow. the role of Barry. Okay. And he actually almost turned the role down, which is crazy. Hmm. He had been acting for a while prior to this. Uh, his first credit was on The Fall Guy. Remember that show from the 80s oh <laughs> on TV? Oh, God. With, with uh, Lee... the $6 million man, yeah, Lee, Lee Majors, Majors right? Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a stunt guy, right? He's a stunt yeah, yeah. man in The Fall Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but his first feature film was, interestingly enough, 1992's Bob Roberts, which was uh, starring and directed by Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, who also has a little part in High Fidelity. Yes. And other uh, great supporting performances from Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Lily Taylor, and John Cusack's sister, Joan. Yeah. How many movies have they been in together? This is the eighth film wow. with both of them. The others are Class from 1983, okay. 16 Candles from 1984. <laughs> I remember that one well. Grandview USA, Broadcast News 1987, mm-hmm. Say Anything 1989, Classic. another great one. Gross Point Blank from 1997. Which might be my second favorite John Cusack performance, Gross Point Blank. That's another one i got to revisit because it's been a while since I've seen it and mm-hmm. I don't really remember. I just remember Mini Driver as his co-star in yep. that. And Cradle Will Rock in 1999. Okay. Those two have worked together quite a bit. Nice. And that's, that's got to be interesting, doing scenes with your sister, especially when you're not playing siblings. Right. In fact, in this movie, Joan Cusack is a mutual friend of yes. both Rob and Laura. And uh, your mom was in a movie with Joan Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Is that okay, um, is that okay to mention that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? Uh, you know, for those of you uh, keeping score at home, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, <laughs> you can link uh, Kevin Bacon to my mother in one actor, the actor being Matt Dillon. My mother was in a scene with Matt Dillon in the 1997 Kevin Klein comedy In and Out, and Matt Dillon, of course, was in Wild Things with Kevin Bacon. So there's my mother's <laughs> one degree connection to uh, Kevin Bacon, and of course Joan Cusack was in In and Out as well. And she was in and out, right? Exactly, there as uh, Kevin Klein's uh, almost bride. Right, exactly. That's a fun movie, by the way. Uh, so estimated budget for this movie of thirty million dollars didn't make a lot of money. Didn't do too well. Twenty seven point two million domestically, forty seven point one million worldwide. Okay. But like we said at the start of the podcast, this is not a movie that's known for that. Right. It should have been. I don't. It's great. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people who have seen this movie. Interesting. In fact, some people I told I was doing the podcast that kind of looked at me and go, oh, what's that movie? But the people that have seen this movie, they love this movie. Oh, yeah. They passionately love this movie. It's great. You forget how great the cast is, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of really cool in things in this movie. Yes. You yeah. know, if you watch the movie, there's a lot of little nods to Chicago. Sure. And, or even like other movies mm-hmm. that John Cusack was involved in. The record store is very cool. Right. Championship vinyl. Championship vinyl. It's a place that I could see why people would want to hang out there. Yeah. The line uh, John Cusack uses in the film is, uh, my store is located in a neighborhood that attracts the bare minimum of window shoppers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great line. I get by because people make a special trip to get here, mostly young men. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny to be talking about this because here we are in 2016. Are there any record stores anymore? Do they Uh, even exist? there, There are... I think a handful of record stores in our area. In fact, the one record store I used to go to in high school. Flipside Records? Flipside Records in Pompton Lakes. Still going, huh? We could, uh, it's still going as far as I know. I went there too. <laughs> Dude, I remember, I still can remember to this day what that place smelled like. Oh, it yeah. smelled like a record store. An old record an store. An old record <laughs> store. And you either get that or you don't. Yeah, yeah. I think you're still there. If you're old like us, you get it. You totally get that. Yeah. 
But uh, like the day a new Rush album would come out, yep. I would go either on my lunch break because the school mm-hmm. we went to, you'd leave the building for uh-huh. lunch. So I'd almost always go to Flipside Records and just hang out and sift through the bins or yep. I'd go there after school and then get the new Rush album, the new Kansas album, the new Billy Joel album, you name it. I kind of feel bad for kids nowadays because they don't have that experience like we had growing up. Right. Here we go with nostalgia again, but mm-hmm. it's true. I, I feel mean, like I should do the Scooby-Doo, the kind of... It's true. But, you know, I mean, honestly, that was a big deal to me. When when we were teenagers, you know, and I'm sure you can relate. Yes. For me, it was Kiss, obviously. When a new Kiss album would come out, I mean, I couldn't wait to go to the record store and see what the album cover looked like. Yep. And get it and hold it and right. open it and look at the liner notes yeah, and put it if, on. If, if you, you were know? lucky, it opened up like a book and the yeah. lyrics were in it and yep. more pictures and 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 liner notes and, and the, the thank yous and names of other people and maybe hidden jokes or in-jokes <laughs> that only fans would understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, no more of that. And by the way, I didn't hate CDs and I still love CDs. I As do I. As do I. For me, it wasn't so much that I'm like, you know, one of those uh, audiophiles that's a snob. Oh, everything sounds better on vinyl. It it might. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It might sound warmer, but I think think if we're being honest, it sounds better digitally. Well, I mean, it's cleaner. Yeah, it certainly sounds cleaner. cleaner. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I definitely feel like I want something tangible. Yeah, I want something to hold in my hand. Yeah, I want a physical product that is that artist's work. Of course. Not just a download. You and I are old enough to have had record collections. Yes. Like, you know, you'd, you'd walk in my house and you, you'd walk into my bedroom and you could see my physical, tangible record collection. Yeah, and it or was a big deal. even cassette tapes. And now, you know, where's your record collection? It's, it's on your MP3 player. You know, <laughs> there's my collection. See, but that's the thing. I'm not such a, an old stick in the mud or whatever that I don't appreciate that. I love the fact that I have an iPod I, I, I with thousands mine. and thousands of things Absolutely. on it. You know, it's awesome. Absol- I'm not knocking it. I don't know. We kind of got off the track there a little bit. <laughs> but that's a, but you know what? It's not really that off the track because that's really what this movie is kind of about. Yeah. Music fans, although albeit they're kind of snobbish. I mean, there's some really funny stuff with that. Like when, when the guy wants to buy the record. It's a Captain Beefheart import. Right. And he goes like, uh, uh, no, I don't think I'm selling that today. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You said that last week. <laughs> Wait a minute. In a minute. In a minute. Yeah. When they're doing the, the, the top, one of the top five lists. Right. The top five, track one, side one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we started this whole conversation based on, I mentioned that there's a lot of nods to other things in this. Yes. So, yes. all right. So let's cover a couple of them. So in several scenes, Rob is wearing a Wax Tracks Records t-shirt. Mm-hmm. The location in Chicago of Championship Vinyl was once a Wax Tracks Records. The store is like a typical independent record store where they right. have all kinds of paraphernalia by the register and sure, all that kind of sure. stuff. Sure, sure. So um, most of the flyers and stickers that are on the front of the register stand are from bands that are either from Chicago or on Chicago record labels. Makes so. sense. If you look uh, closely, you can see bands like Veruca Salt, Liz Fair, Urge Overkill, and uh, Falling Walendas, whom I've, I've never heard of until this movie. And then when we first see the store, one of the records that stands out in the background is by the group Index. Mm-hmm. Index were a 1960s garage band from Gross Point, Michigan. Right, which we mentioned uh, was one of John Cusack's other movies, Indeed. Gross Point Blank. Also in the movie, John Cusack mentions reading Love in the Time of Cholera. Yeah. And I mean, that's... I've read books, and I think I understand them. Right. They're, they're, they're about women, right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the same book that he's looking for in another one of his movies, Serendipity. Serendipity. Great movie. That's right. That's right. With Kate Beckinsale. Wow. This comes full circle, man. Yeah, it's pretty neat, right? All right, so but put you on the spot real quick. Okay. High-fidelity trivia question. Uh-oh. 
What does he say his favorite book is? Johnny Cash's uh, autobiography. Booyah! Cash by Cash, right? I have to say my all-time favorite book is Johnny Cash's autobiography, Cash by Johnny Cash. There you go. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Well, I mean, I'm not that smart, folks. I just watched the movie a couple of days ago. So, No, I'm sorry, yesterday. So, (laughs) Well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So his girlfriend, Laura, Mm -hmm. takes off. She leaves him. Yeah. You know, one of many failed relationships. And for good reason. Yes. And for good, which you find out as the movie goes on why their relationship (laughs) is Splitsville. Yes. He's, uh, we've mentioned it, he's he's not a great guy. He's really not. Not a great guy. He really isn't. But then she ends up hooking up with the guy that lives upstairs from them, Mm -hmm. played by Tim Robbins. (laughs) Right. Ian Raymond. Ian Raymond, who's kind of uh, like a... (laughs) Steven Seagal wannabe. scented new agey yoga Buddhist kind of poser, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's got the, the Steven Seagal ponytail right, and the right. whole thing. He's equally annoying. Yes, he you is. Know, Which I, Laura eventually well. recognizes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He's just, you know, He's ridiculous. just kind of a rebound. Yeah. Rob finds out that she's hooked up with this Ian guy. Right. And he loses his mind. Yes, he does. And the scene where he's imagining the sex that they're having together. (laughs) Laura eventually confirms that, yes, she has indeed had sex with Ian. But before that, Rob, of course, is letting his mind go to places it shouldn't go to. So this is that scene you're talking about. He's cowered under the covers. He's shivering, whimpering, and crying. And he goes on his dietary. He goes, no woman in the history of the world is having better sex than the sex you are having with Ian in my head. (laughs) Exactly. And they show it, of course. Of course, of course yeah. they do. And there's actually no nudity in that scene. But, no, there but really it's, isn't. It's pretty clear he's giving it to her pretty good. <laughs> Just, you know, for lack of a better term. Well, I think as men, especially if you're a guy who's been dumped. Right. I think you can relate to that. Oh, of course. No one is having better sex than the sex my ex is having right. in my head. Right, exactly. Right. But anyway, so he starts sort of stalking. Her at Ian's house. At Ian's place. You know, he's hanging out in front of his place. He's calling the house and hanging up. He's doing all kinds of things. Ten times a day. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point, Ian, played by Tim Robbins, goes to Championship Vinyl. Goes to the vinyl store. To uh, confront Rob. Mm -hmm. They exchange words. And Ian basically says, you know, you should really stop now because it's kind of ridiculous. Ten times a day. But he throws in little digs and barbs like, look, I know how special Laura is. Right. He says that, and then there's like a pause where Rob's just kind of looking at him. Right. And then there's three things that happen really fast right, in the movie. Right. Three scenarios that he imagines. Right. The first one is just him yelling, get the, you know, right. get out of, out of my your st- patchouli stack out of my store. Yeah. And he chases him away. Right. The second one is he tries to go after him, but Dick and Barry have to hold him back. That's right. They hold him back. Dick That's and right. Barry hold him back. And he leaves. And, and he, and he, he like pathetically, cowardly leaves the store and right. runs out. And then in the third and final scenario, <laughs> he's saying something. Right. Rob doesn't even do anything. Right. Dick picks D- up Dick. the phone, the old, the old style uh, push button telephone. The old style, yeah, and just smashes him across the face. <laughs> Teeth, Teeth go flying. <laughs> and, and they, they give him this, 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 like, they whoop his ass <laughs> in a beatdown. Dick goes and pulls the air conditioner out of the wall. That <laughs> just smashes him. <laughs> and those are the three flung. scenarios in Rob's head. <laughs> right. And then finally you see what really happens and Rob just chickens out. <laughs> Rob just doesn't funny. do anything. That's oh, great though. Yeah, but Dick Dick hitting him with the phone is my favorite. <laughs> and the teeth go flying. <laughs> yeah, and then the air conditioner. Yes. So funny. But him, that Dick. scene, the cool thing about that scene, in the scene, Jack Black's character Barry is wearing a t-shirt for the movie A Clockwork Orange. Yes. And I never noticed this before. But during that scene, 
they're beating him kind of in the same way that the characters in A Clockwork Orange beat their victims. And one other thing, too, um, in the flashback, when uh, they show Robin Laura lamenting, they hear Ian having sex. Right, he's upstairs and yeah. they can hear him, right? Yeah, she's reading a book called Love Thy Neighbor. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You can't say enough about Jack Black in this movie. I mean, he's I'll stop so short of good. saying he steals the movie, but I'll, I'll say he steals the scenes he's in. Yeah. And that's obviously great writing. Yes. His performance is terrific. Yeah. But, I mean, His you opening know. scene when he when he just kind of bursts through the door, late, of yes. course, late, of yes. course. I was going to ask you for your top five records to play on a Monday morning. Well, it's Monday afternoon. You should get here earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but then he puts on Walking on Sunshine. Right, walking on, the last thing you would expect from this guy. Yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite things in that scene, as soon, <laughs> as soon as Jack Black walks in, the camera cuts to Dick, mm-hmm. whose face just sinks that Jack Black has walked through the door. Oh, Dick yeah. Dick just has this disappointed look of loathing that, ugh. Oh, yeah. Barry is a total thorn in, right? in Dick's yeah. side Holy the whole movie. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry. Well, that's too bad because it sucks ass. <laughs> and then he pulls and then he pulls the tape out, looks at Dick and goes, Yours, I assume? He throws it at him. <laughs> yeah, chucks it at him. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really mean to him. And oh, Dick is such a feeble guy, he's so quiet right. and unassuming. He kind of takes it. Yeah, and... you know. But it's funny that he ends up getting into a, a relationship. A relationship, yeah. You know, with this... uh with Anna. Sarah Gilbert? Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert, you are yeah. correct. Yes. Yeah. So what is this bruiser's name? <laughs> Anna. Anna what? Anaconda? <laughs> no, Anna Moss. Anna Moss? Is she all like fuzzy and mossy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're always doing the top five list. And you and I have sort of done that. Not for the podcast, yeah. but like, you know, we'll be hanging out, we go bowling or whatever. Yeah, just, uh, you know, top five favorite this, top five coolest that. The conversations that these guys have in the movies, yeah. you and I have these conversations all the time. Yeah, that's why I love doing the podcast with you so yes. much, because we connect on so many levels with that kind of stuff. Yes. Stuff that is meaningless, like the top screams in rock and roll. Right, right. We did that list one time. Yeah, I don't know how many we got out, but it was like, Rob Halford, you got another thing coming, the scream he does into the guitar solo. Yes, oh, that's still awesome. my all-time favorite. But we also talked about the uh, the scream that Roger Daltrey does in Won't Get Fooled Won't Again, Get Fooled Again, which is right. a classic. Yep. And, I care, and then we had another list, like the, the top songs with stutters in them. Foolin' by Def Leppard. Yeah, Foolin'. Changes by David Bowie. Yes. Changes. That's right. Yeah, and I can't remember some of the other ones, but, it, you know, just Yeah, we, we have conversations yeah. like that. And uh, along those lines, I love that Rob and Dick and Barry debate these things. They may just be trivial, mundane things, right. but in some corner of the universe, they matter. They're part of the fabric of who you are and what's important to you. And Rob Gordon in the movie has a great line, says, A while back, Dick, Barry, and I agreed that what really matters is what you like, not what you are like. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the truth. (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. These things matter. Yeah. I think when it comes to relationships, if you have at least some of those things in common with your counterpart, then you're, you're good to go. I mean, you know, if you were with somebody that enjoyed exactly everything you did, that probably would be boring too. Take Sue and I. I mean- Mm -hmm. We agree on enough stuff that we don't want to kill each other when it comes to like <laughs> watching movies right, or whatever. Right. But there's a lot of stuff that I definitely enjoy more than she would of because course. of how we grew up right. or just the kind of music we're into or whatever. And in any relationship, you're allowed to enjoy things 
separately. Of course. And you don't course. have to have the same level of enthusiasm for everything that the other person is into. But like right. you said, if you have enough in common that you enjoy together, and even if you don't, you know, maybe you can learn a little bit from each other, but the things you're into and the things the other person is into. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at Rob and Laura, they seem very, very different in a lot of ways. She's a professional. She right. works for a lawyer, I think. Yeah, yeah. But when they met, she was definitely... In a different place. And, yeah, and kind of a party girl. They met in a club. Right, when he was DJing. She complimented the records he was playing, and he right. was, was kind of smitten and said, well, come back next week and I'll make you a tape. Right. And that's how their relationship started. Yeah, and I think she kind of evolved a little bit, and he did not. <laughs> that's <laughs> where the movie begins. Right. With she, she's kind of looking at him going, I've changed, you haven't. And she says to him something like, uh, I don't think you've even changed a pair of socks. <laughs> And that's probably uh, the case with a lot of relationships where sure. the man is just kind of stuck in, in a rut or whatever, right. and, and the woman is doing all this growing. and hasn't evolved, and yeah, they you either grow apart or you grow together or you grow separately, and uh, Laura's just had enough. That being said, they both kind of realize by the time we get to the end of the movie mm-hmm. that there's a comfort that they have together. Yes. And in a good way, not like, right. you know, where uh, I'll just settle. Right. They're not complacent. They're comfortable with each other. And I love when he does the top five things he loves about he Laura. He loves about Laura. And, that, yeah. and it's that moment yeah. in the movie where you go, okay, maybe he's not such an asshole. Right. Because you go, okay. Well, by the end of the movie, he's not. Right. Rob, over the course of the movie, does evolve. Right. And not because he finally wises up to the fact that Laura tells him that he needs to evolve. Right. He's got to come to that on his own. Right. And he does by sort of looking backward and regressing and focusing on past relationships and reaching out to old girlfriends. <laughs> Which is hilarious, it's, by the uh, way. It's awesome, awesome thing that he does there. And those those stories and those <laughs> scenes are funny and great in and of themselves. But she by, kissed me first. <laughs> she, married she married Kevin Bannister. Kevin Bannister. I'm okay now. Yeah. <laughs> But he's, he's always like, you know, why am I always the one that gets dumped? Right. In his past relationships, he fails to see and recognize the mm-hmm. part he played in right. any of the failure of, of his past relationships. Of course, because he's a guy. Right, right. <laughs> it's never our fault. Oh, how could she leave me? Well, she must be some, uh, you know, some, some self-possessed biatch. <laughs> right? Because how could she leave me? Exactly. No one, No one would ever leave me. <laughs> Although he does acknowledge that Catherine Zeta-Jones... Her character is too good for him. Why would she want to be with me? I admit you know? that she was out of my league. Yeah. He says, uh, you know, you, you got to punch your weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a middleweight. I'm She's a, I'm, not. I'm a middleweight at best. You got to yeah. punch your weight. Yeah. She was out of my league. But in going back <laughs> and examining all that stuff, that enables him to kind of evolve. And by the end of the movie, he's redeemed himself, at least in the eyes of Laura, he certainly has. Absolutely. So we got to talk about Lisa Bonet a little bit, too. Yeah. Marie DeSalle. Yes, Marie DeSalle. She's certainly... um entrancing yes i read an interesting thing this is one of those things that you'll miss unless you pause your your dvd right she has a cd that rob dick and barry all buy yes they see her perform yeah and there's a scene where he puts the cd into the cd player and somebody actually took the time to make a note of all of the tracks on the cd yeah not me i read it and I, i'm if you pause it you can clearly see what the tracks right. are on the, on the cd yeah and some of the songs on the CD are very surprising, actually. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters is one of the tracks. Yeah, it is. Beat It, Baby Got Back. Wow. I Will Survive. Okay. Mbop. Jesus. And My Heart Will and Go My Heart on. Will Go On, yeah. The fun thing to do is to imagine Marie DeSalle, the character, right. singing any of these songs. Any of those songs. <laughs> because of the way she performs Baby I Love Your Way, it's very different. Yeah. So. 
but I, I thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. That, that is good stuff. <laughs> and I and I wonder, I haven't read or seen anything about this, what the logic was behind the songs that they chose to put on that CD. Are they in-jokes, or did the they producers just kind of figure, ah, let's pick songs nobody would expect her to sing? Uh, who knows? You know, we talked about how Rob has loved and lost and has had a really bad time with relationships. Right. So he finally gets to a place where he realizes that he loves Laura and he wants to get back with her. Right. And they both are kind of on the same page and it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah. Then <laughs> a girl from uh, a local newspaper, music newspaper. Music rag, right. Yeah, comes in to uh, the Caroline, store. her name is in Caroline, the movie. yeah. Comes in and they start talking mm. and all of a sudden there's a little flirting going yeah, back Yeah, Rob's forth. a little smitten. Yeah. And, and then, he starts to make her a tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And as he starts to make it, he goes... When is this going to stop? Right, you know, he right. realizes that he's doing the same thing again. Yep, and Laura, and Laura walks in at that moment. He goes, when's what going to stop? Who's the tape for? Who's the tape for? Uh, he's a reporter from the music. Yeah, and it's after that that he does kind of a lame-ass proposal to Laura. about Right, you know, like, right. And she goes, you know, forgive me if I don't think you're the safest bet because you were just making a tape for that girl at the reader. Right, right. <laughs> and Laura knows it and Laura gets it, but... Rob, in a moment of, of clarity, also says, uh, so what am I going to do now? I'm just like going to keep jumping from rock to rock for the rest of my life until there aren't any rocks left. Should I bolt every time I get that feeling in my gut when I meet someone new? I've been thinking with my gut since I was 14 years old. And frankly speaking, I've come to the conclusion that my guts have shit for brains. There you go. <laughs> That's really the age old uh, problem that most guys have. I think. Yeah. You know, the grass is always greener, right? Of course. You know, the, the pull and the attraction of something uh, a little bit more shiny, a little bit more new. <laughs> right. But that's, you know, yeah. wears off, it fades. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I'll admit it. I've been there. I've done that. But, you know, the older you get and the more mature you mm -hmm. get, the more you realize what's important. Yes. And you realize that that's really the fastest way to being by yourself. Now, that, right. maybe that's okay. And for some people, maybe that works. Right. But Rob comes to the realization that, that that doesn't work for him. Right. He wants to be with Laura. Of course he does. And he, he makes the, the ultimate realization, I think, at the funeral. They're back at Laura's house after that. And mm -hmm. clearly Liz and I guess Laura's sister are talking right there in front of Rob about Rob. Mm -hmm. And he says, look, you can keep talking shit about me or I can defend myself. Uh, but I shouldn't have to keep saying I'm sorry. And Liz says, no, just one time would be great. Right. And so Rob goes up to Laura and says, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And Laura understands that Rob is not saying it about her father. Right. Rob is genuinely apologizing for all the shit that he's done and the shit that he's put her through. And as Rob is walking through the rain, he sits down on the bench and he's getting soaked. <laughs> and he says, you know, in uh, like right to the camera, I can see now I never really committed to Laura. I always had one foot out the door and that prevented me from doing a lot of things like thinking about my future. I guess it made more sense to commit to nothing and keep my options open. And that's suicide by tiny, tiny increments. Yes. That's great. It's great stuff. That's great writing. Great writing man. indeed. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention this on the podcast because it was something that Sue and I were laughing about while we were watching the movie, how uh, every time there's a breakup or something bad happens, it's pouring rain in the movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> and rain like you've never seen in right. your life, ever. Charlie, it's, you effing bitch! Yeah, exactly. Let's work it out! Exactly. <laughs> right. Every time he's being doused by rain. Right. It's great. He's prank calling Ian. Yep. Yep. It's pissing rain. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That's it's right. really funny, actually. Yep. So let's talk about Barry's band playing at the record release party. <laughs> so Rob is trying to bribe him not to play. Right. Please. I'll give you 100% of the door if you don't show up. When he introduces them, he does it in a way that, you know, he's like, and here they are, 
Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic Death Monkey. <laughs> Thank you for that enthusiastic introduction, Rob. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, but we are no longer Sonic Death Monkey. We were going to be called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> but tonight we'll be known as Barry Jive and the Uptown Five. <laughs> and then they launch into Let's Get Let's It On. Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Yes. And I remember the first time I saw this movie going, wow, Jack Black can actually sing. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. At the time, I didn't know anything about Tenacious D. Neither, I didn't right. know any Neither of this stuff. Neither did I. And uh, yeah, he kills it. Yeah. And and Rob is like surprised. And, <laughs> he goes, what? <laughs> yeah, it was great. People aren't rioting? Yeah, it was awesome. Just a very, very funny way to kind of sort of end the movie. Yeah, nice, uh, nice end of the movie. Although it's not quite the end. Because after that, there's the scene where it makes it clear that Rob has come full circle mm-hmm. in his maturity and his realization of uh, what's important. He says, I, I've started to make a tape in my head for Laura full of stuff she'd like, full of stuff that would make her happy. For the first time, I can sort of see how that's done. Yeah. The closing track of the movie that's playing as the movie fades to black is a track called I Believe, originally performed by Stevie Wonder, was mm-hmm. later covered by Art Garfunkel and Peter Frampton. Nice. All three of those artists were made fun of at some point in the movie by Rob Dick <laughs> right. and Barry, which I think is pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Nice. Well, that's 2000's High Fidelity, John Cusack, one of his best roles. Agreed. I want to thank you, as always, for making this fun and uh, informative, sir. Thank you, as always, for having me. I, I really appreciate all the effort that you put in yourself in preparing for this, too. Thanks, man. It's all part of the fun. Yeah, well, I appreciate all it. All part of the fun. I appreciate it. You get me to watch some of my favorite movies with new eyes, and I always pick up a lot of new things, so yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash screenfacts, and you can leave your comments and questions there, or tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. Email screenfacts at yahoo.com. And uh, please help us out by spreading the word. You could also help us out by ordering merchandise. That's right. If you want to get a uh, snazzy Screen Facts t-shirt or hoodie, get information about that on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. Get your Screen Facts swag here. That's right. Show theme music by audionautics.com. Thanks to wickedradionetwork.com and our announcer, Kim, from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.